Rivers and lakes are still polluted 50 years after the Clean Water Act. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. It's been half a century since the landmark Clean Water Act was signed into law with the purpose of making U.S. waters fishable and swimmable. But a new study finds that many waterways and lakes are still so contaminated that people can't safely play in them. A new report from the Environmental Integrity Project, a nonprofit watchdog group made up of former EPA officials, shows that 700,000 miles of waterways and more than 50% of lake areas are impaired, meaning that people who recreate in them are at risk of getting sick from pollutants, including fecal pathogens. It also means additional treatment is needed for drinking water, and it could be hard for fish to survive because of low oxygen levels. The study finds that although there were improvements made during the first 30 years after the Clean Water Act's passage, there has been a lack of enforcement by the Environmental Protection Agency, and the law itself needs to be updated. The report says climate change is a major factor in some states like Oregon, where streams are impaired because they've become too warm. In Indiana, which has the most total miles of rivers and streams that are unusable for recreation, agricultural and industrial runoff have contributed to the problem. Florida is first for total acres of lakes that are impaired for swimming and aquatic life. California heads the list of states for most miles of streams and rivers impaired as a source of drinking water. Ukraine has been called the breadbasket of Europe, supplying much of the world's wheat and corn, as well as sunflower oil. But Russia's invasion is disrupting trade, and that's exacerbating a global hunger crisis already fueled by the pandemic, supply chain issues, and climate change. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the sword of Damocles hangs over the global economy, especially in the developing world, adding, we must do everything possible to avert a hurricane of hunger and a meltdown of the global food system. A spokesperson for the World Food Program said they're concerned not only about food shortages for people in Ukraine, but also, in their words, about collateral hunger for those in the Middle East and Africa, places that rely heavily on imported grains. If the war prevents planting this spring, the consequences could be dire. Also, Russia is a major wheat exporter and supplier supplies much of the world's fertilizer, phosphorus, and potash. But the country has banned its sales, sending prices soaring for farmers who might not be able to afford inputs. Climate change could make the entire situation worse if countries that try to take up the slack are impacted by severe weather, droughts, heat waves, or floods. Higher prices could lead to more clear-cutting for food production, which would release carbon into the atmosphere and further global warming. And speaking of global warming, heat waves in the ocean have been increasing. They are triggered by various conditions, including human-caused climate change, which is making them more frequent and intense. Marine heat waves can be devastating to ecosystems and cause mass coral bleaching and significant declines in kelp forests and seagrass meadows, and also trigger algal blooms, leading to mass sea life mortality. Forty years ago, heat waves had occurred in about 60% of the ocean, but as of 2020, that increased to 80%. 
they can be offset by periods of cold waves. However, a new study shows that those are occurring less frequently and less intensely than they did just four decades ago. The study, led by the University of Tasmania, shows that over the last decade, marine cold spells happened about 10 days per year globally, down from 40 in 1985. While cold spells can also be devastating to marine life, they can offset the impacts of the excess ocean heat. And finally, California's coast redwood trees are amazing. They can grow to nearly 400 feet tall and live for hundreds of years thanks to natural resistance to insects and fire. And new research is revealing even more secrets about the tree's longevity. Redwoods have two different types of leaves that allow them to thrive in both wet and dry areas of California. Scientists from the University of California, Davis, discovered the trees have a peripheral leaf that converts sunlight into sugar through photosynthesis and an axis leaf that does not photosynthesize, but instead spends its time absorbing water. Remarkably, the study found that a large redwood can suck up to 14 gallons in just the first hour its leaves get wet. Even more fascinating is that the leaves shift their position on the tree depending on the climate. Along California's rainy north coast, the water-absorbing axial leaves are found on lower branches, while the photosynthesizing leaves were closer to the top to access the sun. The pattern flips in the southern part of the state. The water-absorbing axial leaves were up high to make the most of rain and fog. The findings could help researchers monitor redwoods as the climate warms and offer clues as to how the trees will respond to drought and stress. That's it for this week in water, which is sponsored by Bring Back the Blue, working to remove plastics from the ocean to support energy projects and the blue economy. Learn more at bringbacktheblue.blue.